you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com/slash/sheck. Oh, it's here. It's just a matter of hours, really, until things kick off in the NFL. All sorts of news to get to. Not exactly good news for the Houston Texans. Arian Foster, groin injury, might have to have surgery. Speaking of groins, Lenny Kravitz has came out at a Chicago uh, show, apparently, for all the world to see. I, I, I can't believe this video is out there. And Miss Piggy and uh, and Kermit the Frog broke up. So there's a lot of stuff that we – that's right, that's on Twitter right now. I'm getting weird looks in here from Studio 66 visitors. But uh, listen, what is, is. I'm sorry to be the one to have to share this news with you, fellas. Who I'm looking at specifically, first of all, let's say hello to him. It's been a little while since he shadowed our door. Um, you see his work at NFL.com and on the Fantasy Show. Right now he's got the top candidate for the Hall of Fame, a fitting thing to do with the uh, inductions coming up this weekend. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop, fella? Well, I'm a little concerned. I mean, I was all in a good mood. I had my, you know, my Gatorade out here. I was happy to be with uh, you. Uh, you don't guests. know. I, mean, I, I, I know. You haven't said anything. I don't know why it has to be a surprise because people can see it listed on the show description. Matter of fact, why don't I say hello to him? You, belay- you took too long, fella. Sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to say hello to him. He's uh, a Penn State alumnus. Yes. Here he is, everybody. It's Michael Robinson. What's Dave, what's going you? on, man? Well, your I want to have peace. Your I'll... intro makes you sound like a really big deal. Can we talk about Kermit and Miss Piggy? I mean, it really brought me down All right. two seconds before <laughs> we're supposed to get interviewed. Are you sad about that? I have a I feeling that they might get back together. Did Kermit say, it's not you, it's me? How would that sound? I know you're <laughs> chomping at the bit. No, I'm not. Terrible I'm... Kermit. How old are they? 
Yeah, Why are we talking about them breaking up? Is this- I know. They're like 86 yeah. and 82, I think, something like that. They've my, been around a long time. My kids don't even know who they are. Is that true? That's true. They don't even know who they are. They All they know now is uh, SpongeBob. Um, I don't like SpongeBob. I don't like Sponge- them either. SpongeBob. Yeah, I don't like them either. Barney? Uh, Purple no. Bar- no, no Barney? No, no, Nobody okay. get, get with the program, um, E.H. Barney's uh, talk about something that's 20 Dora. Dora, uh, Mickey, I don't the love Mickey's Dora. Playhouse and all of that That's stuff. okay. Uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, my God. Annoying or are you enjoying it? It's annoying. Yeah, it it's, really it's trippy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like, um, you know what my kids are watching now and it's a good show? Teen Titans. Did yes. you ever see that one? Yes, That's my five-year-old watches. Yeah, it's Robin. You know, he's the only, he's the most recognizable superhero. But as you, as the name would indicate, they're all teenagers. Yes. And they, yes. and they break up JV level crimes. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's pretty cool, man. It's all right. But listen, here's the other thing. Penn State has a new logo out. And yep. I made a, I made a, a joke about it. It's not a joke. It's fact. Look at the new Penn State logo. This logo, the Nittany Lion has white eyes, has no pupils. You're reading to too blind. much into it, Dave. The Nittany Lion is literally turning a blind eye. Jeez. I tweeted that, and Michael Robinson said, not cool. No, it wasn't, and I had to check you. Can we it's be cool good. now, though? No, we're cool. You're Are we cool. all right? Yeah, we're cool. You know, right. I'll, I'll still send you a Christmas card and all of that stuff. Let me tell you something about the great Michael Robinson. He's, uh, he's a pleasant fella, as if you've ever heard him on the show, you already know that. But listen – you also are a newsmaker, a newsbreaker. I feel like in the last, you know, what, last year or so, you've broken more NFC West specific news <laughs> than any anybody whose job it is to break the news, right? Well, I am freshly out of the NFC West. I've spent my entire career in the NFC West. And guys, trust me, man, they, they call me. Like, for instance, Bobby. Bobby Wagner just gave me a call. Um, it was about 12.05. I knew the exact time on the East Coast, and I was just watching TV with the wife, and he said, man, I want you to have this nugget of information. I don't expect you to be, uh, you know, a, a capologist or or, no. or anything, but how did they get this done? Are you, I mean, is your draw a jaw on the floor, EH? I mean, that, that they have effectively locked up their <laughs> core for mm-hmm. three more years now, and think how differently we would regard it if, Marshawn Lynch gets the ball and scores a touchdown. If they had two in a row right now and they had all that core coming back, we would be talking about maybe this is the team of all time. Because if they can win one in the next – you know, you, you get three rings, then you're into the conversation of not just yeah. one of the great teams, but are they the best team ever? You get you get in an era with three rings, that's the steal. We were, the Cowboys, we were talking in the Niners, players – That's it. Yeah, we were talking in the players' locker room or our, our – Talent lock. What do they yeah. call that? Green room. room. Oh, that's here. not the green room. It's just a ta- yeah. Yeah. A about room. the 2012 yeah. Seahawks. How uh, some coaching decisions against yeah, the right. Falcons could have won that game. There's no reason Seattle couldn't have won the Super Bowl over uh, uh, Baltimore that year. Yeah, that's a. You know what? That's a fair point as well. Yeah. Um, do you think? I just randomly because we we had this conversation and I like uh, you know recklessly speculating if you because <laughs> later on EH and I are going to break down the AFC South with our uh, our latest edition of the ifs we take each team and say this team can win the division if this team will have a disappointing season if obviously Arian Foster's injury is going to injure the Texans' chances of taking the division yeah. but we were talking about Andrew Luck and trying to gauge him. And stack them up against Russell Wilson with the big uh, dollars that Wilson got. 
last week. If you put Andrew Luck on the Seahawks and the and Russell Wilson on the Colts, what happens? Tell me what their respective <laughs> careers look have looked like so far. It it might have been flip flopped. All right, well, that's not an ad. Do they win the Super Bowl? Do they have two Super Bowls, the Seahawks? Would the Colts have made the playoffs with uh, with uh, Russell Wilson? I think so. I do. I do think you? so. EH? You know, I I think that Andrew Luck would run a lot more if he was in Seattle because he's got the ability. He may look awkward doing it, but Andrew Luck's a good, a really good athlete. I think Andrew Luck would be like the, the fantasy god. Because he'd not only have the passing numbers, but he'd, he'd run read option. He could do it with Andrew yeah, Luck, right? You could. You could run it with Andrew Luck. But, I mean, he's he is a sharpshooter in the pocket, though. I know. The kid can, can ball. So, um, who knows, man? I think the offense would look differently if he was in Seattle. I think maybe they would um, – who knows what would have happened with Marshawn last year. Um, maybe they might not have paid him his money. You, who knows? But – uh, That's an you know what, you know that what I mean? that might be, right. He may not be on the team right now, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the team may look differently. So uh the one thing I can say they are paying everybody, but they haven't paid a lineman. You know, mm, um yeah. an offensive lineman. Right. And uh, to me that's scary. To me, the MVP of that team is Tom Cable. What he's done with uh, the talent that he's had available to him and to have the one or two rushing offense in the league the past two, three years is simply amazing. Um I think he's he's going to be a great head coach one day. Hopefully he gets his chance here pretty soon. That's an interesting thought. And um, do you think well, – by the way, back to the question that I posed. I Talk about 2012 I or 2013, I should say. I would say that the Seahawks don't win the Super Bowl that year if Andrew Luck is their QB, and they did get it obviously with Wilson because they, think about the NFC title game. It was nip and tuck. The thing Russell Wilson did was take care of the ball in that game. He didn't turn it over once. Given Andrew Luck's, uh, you know, career so far against high-end defenses, he does turn the ball over for all his virtues. He would have thrown a pick at least against that Niners defense. As close as it was, the Niners would have gone to the Super Bowl. But the reason why he has to throw so much is because he never had a defense. If he, all right. The whole game's on his shoulders. Defense. Yep. Come on, Dave. All right. I do this who, for a living, bro. All right. Oh, who's man. the most who, – Who's the, give me the three most important Seahawks. You can't let them walk out the oh, door. We were just talking about this. Wow. Well, Russell about, Wilson isn't even well, in it. He's okay. not even in the top three. Seahawks, obviously Marshawn Lynch, that's where it starts. He's the most important, more important than Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Or Earl Thomas. Yeah. Or Cam Chancellor. I or agree, with, I agree right. totally. He sets the tone for the city. Okay. okay it's bigger. <laughs> it's bigger than just offense, okay? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good quote. He sets the tone for, for the, the city. city. I mean, he does, man. <laughs> um, I would have to say um, Tom Gable also. Hmm. Um, and just his – people don't realize – when they're in that, when we have our team meeting, I say we, but when they have their team meeting, uh, Pete talks to the team, and then you break up, you go offense, defense. The next voice that the offense hears is Tom Cable. That's who puts in the run game. That's who mm. install, that's who talks to us. Um, that's who, when you have team building um, uh, things during the offseason, Tom Cable doesn't. You know, when you have a discipline issue, Tom Cable doesn't. Is you that – I am I – am, I am, positively floored by this information. Last time you were in here, yes. you and I, I mean, I think and no one could possibly ever forget what happened. We did the uh, we did the uh, glory, and you told us Pete uh, Pete Carroll once <laughs> in the pregame once had the whole team get around like, mm-hmm. Oh, man, what was that, 2010? Oh, my Lord. When we squeaked in the playoffs. And, and you said you did that. 
handed to us, bro. So after, <laughs> after Pete Carroll and Tom Cable, <laughs> no. it wasn't Gus Bradley no. or it was what, no, it was no. it was Tom no, Cable. Tom, Tom really. Cable. I mean, he, he just understands how to speak to men. He, he has a hmm. realness about him, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when he speaks to you, you know, I, I've spoken to him about baby mother issues. Yeah, that real life stuff. I mean, and he has respect to guys. So he, to me, he's one of the most important Seahawks. What about John Schneider? Is three? Yeah. Well, I will put John Schneider, Pete Carroll together because um, I, 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 you know, I don't know this for a fact, but it's hard for me to imagine a decision happening without Pete Carroll okaying it. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean for this to turn into a Seahawks uh, showcase, but Sorry. then again, they are the team of the last couple of years, I would say. So just a, just a couple more questions now that we, we got you here, Mike Rob. Do you think how tough is – you know, it's a while ago now that the Jimmy Graham for Max Unger deal goes down, but a couple of guys have sat in here and said, you know, don't sleep on the absence of Max Unger. That's going to be a massive loss for them. Huge. How long is that transition going to take? How long is it going to take for them to all come to grips with the fact that we're not just a grind it all day until we absolutely have to start slinging it in the fourth quarter kind of team? They're going to have to – I've all the news that Jimmy Graham's planning on blocking 75% of the time. They're going to be slinging it a lot more, right? I don't know, man. I can't really? say that. I really can't say that. I mean, uh, earlier last season when, you know, through the first six games, you kind of really didn't know the identity of that offense. I think they tried it. I think they tried to hmm. throw it around a little bit more. And what happened was, you know, after that Kansas City game, it seemed like they got together, Pete challenged some guys, and they said, look, man, we're going to do what we do. You know what I mean? So I don't think they're going to go away from the run game. I think uh, Jimmy's going to help the run game. Uh, just his presence is going to help the run game. But he's going to have to develop into a, a blocker. I mean, the past tight ends that they had, you know, Zach Miller, um, Luke's a decent blocker. But Zach Miller dominated the edges of, of a defense. I don't know if they have a blocker on their in their tight end group that can dominate an edge and give Marshawn a clean edge. Wasn't it? Uh, we were just talking about that Falcons playoff game. Wasn't it Zach Miller that had a big went off big day off. that game? Hundred over hundred yards out of nowhere. But that's because he blocks. So you so know, he's on the field for more yeah, snaps, right? Them, you know. I, you know what? Honestly, Michael, I I was not a big fan of the Jimmy Graham trade. I just I don't see the upside. I don't see how can Seattle be any better than they've been. I mean, last year they lost because of essentially one play, or you can make the case. Are they going to be better than that? I think there's much greater chance that they're worse uh, on, on some level because what have they relied on in the fourth quarter time and time again? Who took over in that game against Green Bay? I mean, Marshawn, oh, Marshawn. Lynch. Yeah. yeah, and now you're taking away his best lineman. You're taking away Tom Cable's best instrument of his of his message. The, the, the communicator across the entire yeah. front front of the offensive line. I think Jimmy Graham was brought in so that the red zone offense would be better. I mean, this was a team that was in the bottom third of the league in red zone offense. And a, a lot of that is because when the field shrinks and you have a shorter quarterback, you either have to have receivers that can win the 50-50 ball yep. or you got to have a tall quarterback who can throw it into small windows. Okay, and last year they didn't have either one of them. And you can't make – I mean, Russell can't grow overnight. You, you understand what I'm saying? So I think they brought him in to really help that area of the football field because, you know, up front, I don't know if they have the beef. I don't know if they have the power that we had in the, in the previous years to punch the ball in. Well, the Saints, you know, I haven't heard a lot of complaints about Max Unger. However, oh. the Saints wanted to get their locker room right. They dealt Kenny Stills, Junior Glett's gone. By the way, I uh, love Drew Brees. Drew Brees knows about all the departures except the Jimmy Graham one. Right. 
I was consulted on every. Ah, oh, this one I was floored when that happened. Really, that that one didn't. They they didn't consult you on your favorite target, but everything else you had a hand in. I'm just saying when you play. I hear you. You ever play chess? You don't want to lose your queen. Yeah. Ever. So if so. I if I'm reading between the lines though, Mike Rob, if they win that Super Bowl, that trade doesn't happen. I don't think so. I don't either. I really don't. I, yeah, don't I agree with that. Um, okay, real quick, just because uh, you've got fancy TV stuff to do. Sorry. I love it. Nate Burleson, Ike Taylor, Bucky Brooks in here on our last podcast told some gangbusters tales from training camp. The thing is with it, it just seems awful to me. I mean, obviously, the the physical, you know, out in the sun. Ugh, no, thank you. You know, I, let me know when you guys are done and, and when games are happening, and then I'll join the team. Did you talk about camp eyes? I'd come. We Did you talk about, about training camp? camp really? You know about training camp eyes? What? I've been in training camp, man. I almost spent a decade in this league. Are you kidding me? That was the first thing that came <laughs> really? up. Ike Taylor was talking about the lunch ladies and everything. Yeah, I... just don't let my wife see this, okay? <laughs> but I'm telling you, you get camp So this eyes. is a real thing. What? Are you kidding? I don't what do, I've never been in a training camp. Yeah, it's okay. Go uh lock yourself in a some in somewhere for, for three week. or four weeks, yeah. Yeah. And just sit there and then come out and see a woman. <laughs> Your camp eyes. That, those are camp eyes, man. Okay. <laughs> Telling you. Who had a more fun camp, the Niners or the Seahawks? Seahawks. Seahawks. Let Is me it weird you, now? That, that, go, go ahead. There go were ahead. times where I came home from when I was in San Francisco. Now, this is not indicative of the entire organization, but just my time there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where I literally cried. I'm like, I'm in the National Football League. This is my dream. And we suck. I'm sorry. I'm not getting the to ball. I'm playing special teams. I was a Heisman finalist last year. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then you just would cry, you know. Um, Who's this? Mike Nolan. This was this was Mike Nolan. Um, uh, I loved Coach Nolan though. I loved him. Uh, but you know, tears started to come too when Singletary was there. Also, love him as a person, but as a head coach, too emotional. Why he would yell at you and it would make you feel sad? No, it's just you just you can't be too up when we're winning. You can't be in that locker room dancing when we're winning and stuff, and then when we're losing, cussing everybody out because you know it's just you, you kind of got to be even, man. And I just think he was a little bit too top, you know, too wishy washy. Did you have to stay in the dorm? No, we stayed in a hotel. I guess hotel. that's a little better. Did you have a roommate? My first year was Delaney Walker. Yeah, I'll tell you this: I would never. I mean, like that would be. It would go like city I want to live in, and are they halfway decent? But again, if you sign Damashek, your you know your yeah. potential goes through the roof all of a sudden. So that you know <laughs> six of one. I mean, uh, you know, chicken or the egg theory. Um, money would be a factor, but in the top three or four would be: Do I have to stay in a dorm room with some other grown up for for a month, or well, do I get my own option. room? You can pay like you. They, they would pay half of the room, and you could pay the other half. Not some teams like the Packers they have to stay. No, they, they stay with each other. They make you. Ugh, who would want to stay with it? Some other grown stinking man. I just have a question about your rooming with Delaney. He had a heck of a year last year no. too, under the radar because the yeah. Titans were so bad. Well. Jason, Jason Michael, their, their offensive coordinator, we spent time together out in San Francisco when Delaney was out there, and I'd said it on our, on our airwaves, Delaney Walker's going to have a monster season, and this year he's going to have a monster season. They did, love the tight end. Did you like the Mike Nolan suit? idea on the sidelines remember I when he clean. Kind of, i thought it was i clean. thought it was, it was a dead. cool idea until the nfl stepped in and said well it's got to be a reebok suit and it was uh, it was just it was a, a flat black yeah. suit and it was like a black tie and he and jack del rio both had to wear that same yeah. suit like well why can't they, they no can't, style you're not man. allowed to have a suit on the side that was a weird delaney has style 
Yeah, he does. He does. What but, about uh, Michael Robinson? You don't think he has style? I do. I like the Apple Watch. I just wonder, so do you, can you make this? Is that an Apple Watch? I thought it was an yeah, Apple Watch. It's an yeah, it's Apple. A, All right, listen, Bluetooth. we can talk about his uh, product <laughs> placements. Uh, you can play your key sweat on your – On oh, my your, Beats by Dre? Yeah. I can say that, right? Yeah. Dave? Sure. Beats by Dre. Of course, of course. Thanks. You think I've got a competitor, uh, uh, <laughs> a competing <laughs> headphone company know, maybe, supporting the show? Maybe you got SMS for 50 cents. Maybe. No, but if Beats by Dre wants to be a DDFP sponsor, they're more than welcome. Hey. Michael Robinson, go do fancy TV. Keep it about this, that, and the other. And watch your mouth about Penn State. That's all I'm saying. I'm I grew up, up in here. Pittsburgh. I'm yeah. a Pitt fan. I, I, I'm just saying. I was born and bred to hate Penn State. I had to check you, okay? All right. You've been checked. I love you to death. I, hey, checked, hey, hey. I checked the logo, and I, it didn't uh, work out very well. didn't work out very well for me either. But I'm not going to say what you said. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny joke, though. It, it was. You t- t- tell your fellow alumni from there to get off my – I didn't do anything Penn wrong State except alums, make a crack. Penn State That's alums, it. get them. Get nothing. Get them. Did you get, get a nothing DJ in Dozier like tweet? You, Penn <laughs> State, you know what? Oh. Penn State fans, as he walks out the door and it's too late for him to, to do anything because he's got to go be on TV – Penn State fans are are they consider themselves to be a major college football program? Okay. Major program, major program, dominant team in the East. They they're a lot like Alabama or USC, except without all the national championships. That was pre BC. <laughs> that was uh, that was the pre playoff man. What did he get? He got that. two. Joe Paterno's the all time great. He got two. Yeah. Come on. How many undefeated seasons? But guess what? Pitt Check has a out. lot. Pitt has huh? a lot. Pitt has a lot. Pitt has a lot. Last one they got was 76. Yeah. Could have had another one in 81 <laughs> if those Nittany Lions hadn't come in and smoked Dan Marino yeah. and company 48 to 14. Sorry. We, 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 we have day. a tendency to do that. Vinny Testaverde down in Miami. I mean, okay. just, we, we just have a tendency to knock people off out the national championship. I like that Sorry. Michael Robinson likes to wee things. He goes royal wee on everything even if he wasn't on the team. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes, the great Michael Robinson. A pleasure to see, see you. Man. I'm glad we have peace. We can have we can have our disagreements about college football teams, but uh, but we remain pals. All right, so we're looking forward. I hope Michael Robinson can join us during the season. Now we're really getting it together here. Eh, in a matter of weeks, you, me, and Handsome are mm-hmm. going to be making the Red Challenge flag picks for real games. Ike Taylor with us all season. Bucky Brooks. You know, it's kind of, if we get Michael Robinson jumping, be in pretty sweet. What a what a what a show! It's really it's all happening. Ian. But I don't know if they can do the what if game as good as we could right now. What do, what if game do you want to do? Well, oh, the if segment. Yeah, I want to look at your uh, piece first. Oh, all right. Jump in to the AFC South. Let's do that uh, just to give it a little bit of hay. Um, you have the latest pieces. The top candidate for each AFC team, every to, team, to go to the Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, and then I have the NFC one here. Uh, To go to the Hall of Fame, of course, the inductions coming up in Canton, Ohio. I'm going to miss it, and I'm sad. Are you going? I am going. I am going, but I love your Hall or Nothing game, which you and I have done many times on this podcast, and I thought this was perfect for you. Yeah, I know. I thought we won each team. There are are a couple rules. Uh, One, it could be a contributor, player. It doesn't matter. So this isn't just players. Secondly, they have to be eligible this coming year. So, so that rules out Tom Cable. <laughs> rules out Tom Cable. According to Michael but, Robinson, he's the to move over Vince Lombardi. Hey, Tom, I've heard, I've heard before. I can't know. It's amazing. I, I had no idea. I thought that was a real revelation. I would have. Yeah, I mean, that really. I mean, he's uh, by title, 
he's beneath obviously the coordinators yeah. and everything the Tom Cable commands that much uh, respect in the locker room. I had no idea. Um, so okay, so that so you, you're yeah. So that and then uh, so for example, Brett Favre and Terrell Owens are going to be eligible this coming year. So they are both representative in this uh, this list. But there are a lot of great players that people are going to complain about, like Ed Reed, who they're just not eligible yet, so they're not going to be listed. Well, Baltimore Ravens, Chris McAllister. Hold on. Hold on. Let me butt in here. I have a question for you guys. Because normally, Hall or Not, uh, Hall or Nothing, we it's for all time. By the way, nobody knows your voice yes, out of the correct. blue. It's, uh, it, it, we're, we're talking right now to uh, Tommy, Tommy Ty, of course, Black Ty out on vacation. But they're, they're probably going to have a lot of questions. The, the listeners are going to have some questions. And I have one that's, that's pretty big. Hall, right. Hall or Nothing normally is all time. This is just for next year, correct? No, this is. Oh, it's always this for is all, each, of, each all time. Team's but best we, candidate for the Hall. I'm of thinking fame. we could we could uh, each team's best candidate that starts next year. Why don't we see who's going to try to pick who's most likely just next year? This is a different game that we're doing, but I like your game. That's what I, I'm I saying. Like I'm doing. thinking try to pick out of this group next year who's going to get in. I like. Not, I like. Not not. Three years down the road, I'm talking first well, ballot. I like asking people this question. I like asking, first ballot. I like asking our guests this question, and it either intrigues them or annoys them. Is to ask them about guys who haven't taken a snap yet in the NFL. Yeah. If they're going to the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. But you know, I like asking Bucky Brooks or whoever is uh, James Winston going to go to the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and but it is a fun little game to play with the draft. Look at the first round. Uh, who uh, can you identify? If I tell you two of those guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame, who are they going to be? I like playing that game. But all right, we have Elliot's uh, piece right here in front of us. Let's play that one today. Baltimore Ravens, Chris McAllister. I put the chances of that at like three percent. Me right? too. Me too. But he's Highly the best unlikely. best player they have. I'm, I'm not poo pooing. I'm yeah. just saying that Kent Hall should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm down with that. The center for those great K-Gun teams with uh, Jim Kelly and the rest. I think he belongs there. He is a victim of, I, you know, it is a funny thing. Just as teams that win three or four Super Bowls, at some point there feels like there's a there's a invisible cutoff line yes. made. Like, all right, we can't put everybody on this team in. We're going to get to that with your Steelers. And it's even worse if you're the Bills. All right, well, how many are we going to let in here? You guys didn't even win a Super Bowl. Yeah. We can't put Ken Hall in. But I think he does belong. I think Dermani Dawson took over from him as the best center in the league. I think it was Kent Hole, and then it became Dermani Dawson. Dermani Dawson in the Hall of Fame. Cincinnati Bengals, you go Ken Riley. I mean, this is uh, anecdotal, but when I was growing up, he was one of the premier corners in the mm-hmm. game on a perennially crummy team. He won't get a whiff. I don't think he will either, he but it felt like, you know, again – the standard being, is he one of the best at his position? It felt like he was for a long time. I was a child, so my, right. my Ken Anderson has a way better place. shot. I just think Ken Riley might have been better at his position than Ken Anderson was at his. For the Browns, you go Max Speedy. I have no idea, except Scott, I, I love that name, Max I, Speedy. I went old school. I went. Uh, I looked at Frank Minifield. Pretty pretty hard. Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, that great. You don't have to explain hand. to me. I loved the Hanford Dixon and Frank Min. I didn't like the team, but I thought those were, that was a cool duo. Oh, they, they were awesome. But Max Speedy, uh, one of the really old guys on this list, had 1,200 yards in the 40s, you know, back when they're not throwing the ball around. Uh, only, you know, only I, don't years. You know yeah, I don't care. I know you don't care don't about care. pre-Super Bowl era. I don't. I care. Well, I care about the 60s and, and up. But that's all that matters. 58th title game matters and everything after. Before that, who cares? Okay. Denver Broncos, Terrell Davis, 
of course belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, it's enough already. That should have already happened. It's ridiculous yeah. already that, that TD isn't in the Hall of Fame. I've had it, Hall of Fame voters. Put him in already. How many times do we have to say it? I'll say it again now. You repeat it in your piece here. In an era that included – I'm just going to read what you wrote because it's exactly right. In an era that included Marshall Falk, Barry Sanders, and Emmett Smith, he was the best running back. That's, I mean, that's the measure. They all, some of the all-time greats are playing, and he was better than all of them for not a small period of time. This isn't a Roger Maris equivalent. Like Curtis like Martin was it. playing. I know. Jerome well, Bettis was playing. Well, people They're all like in the hall. The, Roger Maris, in baseball terms, won a couple of MVPs, but then had marginal seasons. Otherwise, Terrell Davis was terrific for as long as he played NFL football, pretty much. Until, you know, once he got into the lineup, he was the dominant runner in the league. So, of course, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Jacksonville, Tony Baselli. I, I, you know, I, it's the same measure as Terrell Davis. I, the, what I just said applies to Baselli. I don't know. I, when I think of him, I feel I, he feels I'll tell you like when I, a guy who wasn't in the league very long. i tell you why I got on that train uh, was because when I sat with Walter Jones uh, last year, I asked him, I said, you know, you and Orlando Pace and Jonathan Ogden, you, you three great tackles. Who did you watch when you came in the league? He goes, Tony Baselli. So Tony Baselli was the premier. He was the guy. He was the technician. Yeah, he was. And, and I, I remember that era. And he cited him dominating Bruce Smith in the playoffs, specifically. Uh, you know, I'm like, all right, if he's good enough for Walter Jones, he's good enough for me. And it, well, you know, I defer on offensive linemen to people who spend their time right. assessing them on film. I right. don't do that. I can gauge the overall quality of a line. I can't say, yeah, that 300-pound guy leans up on other 300-pound guys better than other people do. Um, quickly going through some of these. Patriots, Ty Law. Yeah, he, to me, was a real key, yep. one of the defenders. And as we have learned from not just talking to Willie McGinnis, but as you look back over the 15 years of the Belichick era with the Patriots, they win titles when their defense is good. They don't win titles, and you can make whatever uh, helmet catch references you want. The fact is, when they have good defenses, they win Super Bowls. When they don't have good defenses, they don't. Ty Law was one of their essential defenders in those uh, in those first three titles. Klecko for the Jets, eh, all right. Ken Stabler for the Raiders, 100%. 100%. What are we – I mean, ta- ta- another measure that some people use for Hall of Fame is can you tell the story of pro football without this guy? Yeah. Well, then no, you can't without the snake. I snake agree. Stabler is, is, was in so many big games and played well in so many big games. The fact that he only got the one ring, the thing that stopped him from getting more rings was that they played the Steelers all the time in yep. the playoffs. That Listen, it's the same thing for the Cowboys. He took, he took- Cowboys of the 70s would be the greatest team of all time, if it were not for that team that wore black and gold from the banks of the Three Rivers. However, I should remind you before you jump in here, Elliot, that the Cowboys had a chance to be the best team of all time, except that the Steelers did, in fact, beat them twice, and that keeps them from being the best. It makes the Steelers the best. Now, continue with your thoughts. I was just going to say, uh, after your – Your team was no, very good, though. I don't want you to get upset. No, I mean, after your unbiased um, thoughts on the that's not, that's, that's not biased. That's, no, that's a fact. I what do you said, want me to tell you, that they're not the best? I just said unbiased. Uh, Four Stabler. titles in six years – Against the all-time uh, among uh, against some of the very best teams to ever play pro football makes yeah. them the best of all time. I, no, I like I like good filibuster. So the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Vikings. These are among the ten best NFL teams of the Super Bowl era, and the Steelers vanquished them all. When's the Continue. last time I mentioned water conservation on this podcast? So 
Stabler. No, no one wants to hear about uh, first five years as a Raiders starter took him to the AFC title game. I think that, he's terrific. That's pretty course. pretty doggone good. But going to your Steelers, you were I just, just you we were just talk about talking about though uh, when there's a cap on how many players a team can have. That's why Jerry Kramer hasn't gotten in from Green Bay. It's like okay, enough already. Yeah, We're right. Too many. So Donnie Shell is my Steeler, but Donnie Shell was actually a better player when the team started to decline in You're the exactly early right. '80s, and I think Donnie Shell is a legit Hall of Fame player. Yeah, he by by the time he retired, he ranked uh, among all-time DBs in interceptions. I don't remember how close he got to that. I know he never got over the hump yeah. with that, but retired, I, I think, in the top three or four all-time. Right, and Steelers fans always mentioned Carnell Lake, and, and Carnell Lake was a wonderful player, but, I mean, Donnie Shell was the man. Um, I'd like to see if I had to choose uh, a Steeler that isn't in currently, I would go with um, with Elsie Greenwood probably. But, you know, listen, Donnie Shell, you're more than welcome to. Um I see you have Tony Dungy. Yeah, he certainly feels like a, a an, an innovator who, 25 years after the fact, they're still using the uh, the Tampa defense, and uh, obviously, as a black man, was a significant uh, uh, trailblazer. So, yeah, for those reasons, and you know, practically speaking, was rarely coaching a lousy team. So, yeah, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Steve McMichael for the Bears. Mongo. Mongo, like I don't know about that. The thing, in fact, I don't know if Steve McMichael of the '85 Bears and those uh, '80s teams. I, I, in when you look back now, Dan Hampton maybe shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Right, I would agree with that. So I'm just taking each team's best candidate. Doesn't mean I think they'll make it. But here's the interesting numbers on Steve McMichael. Warren Sapp was first ballot. Let him in. You know, open the doors. Warren Sapp, 96 and a half sacks as a defensive tackle, which everyone was goo-goo over. But Sapp didn't play defensive tackle his whole career, not at the end with the Raiders. Steve McMichael played defensive tackle his whole career and had 95. Is that right? Wow. A sack and a half behind. And he was known as a run stopper. So, hey, you're getting almost 100 sacks as an interior defensive lineman. You at least deserve some consideration. All right. I don't want to go through every one of these because I want uh, there to be some meat left on the bone so that you, the listener, can go and look this up. At NFL.com, it's, uh, again, the top candidate for each team in the NFL to get a gold jacket sooner rather than later. Just a couple more. One from childhood, the Seahawks, Kenny Easley, the safety. Was, That's a big one for me. Oh, was he great? I loved him. He was he was willowy. He was like 6'3", weighed probably about 130 pounds or so. <laughs> yeah. He just was a tall drink of water who was a hammer. He was, he was the safety when we were kids right. because Ronnie Lott was a corner. And then they moved Ronnie Lott to safety, but Kenny Easley was a man. He got hurt. Yep. Um, and the other one that intrigues me, I see here, for the 49ers, you say Terrell Owens. Is there really any doubt that Terrell Owens is a first ballot Hall of Famer? No, and, and before He I, is, right? I mean, uh, that, he's he is going to to easily get a gold jacket the first time his name comes up. There's not any doubt about it. I was thinking about that for some reason just this morning that – Fine, we now can settle in. Jerry Rice is one. Now it's hard to debate as we get away from it. Randy Moss, okay, is number two. Maybe Calvin Johnson ends up as number three, but after that, I mean, I think you go Terrell Owens. Maybe Michael Irvin, maybe Steve Largent, but I mean, I think Terrell Owens is is comfortably in the top five. Yeah, I, ever. I, I agree with you. There's a little bit of thought on Terrell Owens. You know, he had that little cup of coffee with the Seahawks in preseason, but per the bylaws, if you don't play in the regular season – from my understanding, you're eligible. I did have my backup Niner. Because when you think about it, the 49ers have had a lot of Hall of Very Good players. You know, they've had Roger Craig and Harris Barton, and you can go on down the line, Eric Wright. 
My guy, though, is Tim McDonald. If it wouldn't be, if Terrell Owens wasn't eligible, really underrated safety in the uh, 90s. And Eric Davis was telling me on set about a year ago, the smartest guy he played with. Like, Tim McDonald could tell everyone where to line up on defense. Really underrated player from the 90s. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, so I, I, Tim McDonald's an interesting name, but the, the Terrell Owens one is, like I say, was just uh, just considering it this morning about he's not just – a great player. He's not, I mean, he really is one of the all time greats. And I feel like he really is for whatever nonsense he did. He didn't do anything really felonious. And yet I feel like he has the worst Q rating of any, almost any name. you can. That's a great point. And you bring up Moss being better. Moss might've been a better weapon, but was Moss as good an all around player as Owens? Owen was big, could block, catch the intermediate stuff. You know, Randy Moss, they didn't ask him to do Randy anything. Randy Moss didn't drop the ball the way Terrell yeah, I agree with that, too. I, that I'm saying nice. I think it's debatable between those two. I Like I say, I go Randy Moss. And when you talk to guys who played with Randy Moss. Oh, the Moss, fear factor. Yeah. Randy Moss is one. Even the guys who played with him, Nate Burleson and, uh, and, and anyone else who happened to be on a team. First of all, they say what, this reputation that he was a ne'er-do-well in the locker room, he was beloved by most of his teammates, first of all. Which which dropped my jaw, but also just the you know these are among the very best athletes on the face of the earth, and when they see somebody who drops their jaw, it uh, it, it it makes me pay attention. I, I, I when they say I've never seen anything, they've been surrounded by the best in the world, and they say, well, this guy clearly stood out. That's yeah. uh, imagine that. Well, when you you know you and I get into kind of the weird stuff, like we like to rank the triplets, and and we talk about Earl Campbell being the most punishing back we ever seen. If you rank the number one fear factor guy in NFL history, I go Randy Moss one. I can't think of any player in league history that that scared people. Or people As an offensive scared. weapon, yeah, I don't think Barry Sanders had the fear factor that Randy Moss did. Where everybody just has to compromise what they're doing to stop that one guy, That's or they're in awe of him, where they're yeah. literally standing on the sideline and awe. I mean, that game he had against uh, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, his rookie year, three catches. That's a great list, and I would I could throw out names, but I don't know who would. Uh, I I mean Dickerson for a while, but I would think Marino probably was uh, a, a nightmare. Yep, who had the mystique washed off by that Niners. Terrell Davis when he was on a roll, but three, nah, he didn't have that. Three catches, 163 yards, and three touchdowns on Thanksgiving against Dallas. Just I remember three that. bombs, three, three just, yeah. just ridiculous. That was great. They would, that was pretty much what they, you know, it seems an like an exaggeration. That is exactly what the Vikings would do. They would, they would drop back and just throw it as far as you could. Didn't you love watching three, Randall? There'd be three guys and Randy Moss would be in the middle of them. And this somehow he would, his stride would break through in such a way that he would just jump up and it would be almost frustrating. Like they couldn't do anything to stop that. They're all right there. But it happened over and over the whole season. That kept. I happening. loved watching Randall throw the deep. Ball. I'll tell you one: a, a current guy, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, that's a, that is a great example. That might be because he best can't. Example. You can't stop him if he's healthy. Yep, it feels like. All right, let's move on to something else here that I promise, and I want to get to it here. Let's do our ifs um, for the AFC South. We've done it now for the NFC East, the NFC South, the. AFC East, the AFC North, and now it's the AFC South's turn. In fact, EH, we wanted to get you in for the NFC East as mm-hmm. a uh, as an insider on that division, but we took care of that one last week with Bucky Brooks, and then we handled the AFC 
East with Ike and Bucky last week. All the videos are there for your perusal at NFL.com and on YouTube, I believe. So give those a, a look. They're pretty entertaining stuff. Some really interesting thoughts from Bucky and Ike on the Buffalo Bills. As an example, they debate the QB situation there and came up with some interesting stuff. Anywho, go back and watch those. Right now, let's get into the AFC South, and let's start with the team that won it, the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts will win the 2015 AFC South if... If everything stays status quo, I think the Colts will be in the Super Bowl. That's not an answer. Everything stays status quo. Because the division stinks. No. Well, now that Aaron Foster <laughs> yes. maybe it does. Sorry, man, but the Colts will be in the Super Bowl if Frank Gore runs for 1,210 touchdowns. Well, that's interesting, except that that one doesn't really service the other. That so what you're saying is if he has that kind of a season, I think the Colts they'll, be can, a, they'll get a buy. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for filling in my thought. Exactly that that the the Colts will not only be like 11 and five division winner, they can be a 13 and three division winner and play home games, not have to play that first week and be healthy. I hear what you're saying, and I'll tell you the AFC might have some parity going on there, and there might be some intriguing teams to you, chief among them the Dolphins. I think all those non-Patriots teams in the East have a chance to win the division and maybe make the playoffs. I'm on record as saying Dolphins win the division, Bills get the wild card, Patriots miss it outright, as do the Denver Broncos. That's Damashek's big, bold prediction, one of many. What do you think of that, EH? Who's? I mean, listen, I think – if I mean we'll get we did the ifs for the AFC North, who wins out of that three horse race? It ain't going to be the Browns, but one of those other three teams will get one of the one one of the spots there. But it's hard to imagine any of those teams being thirteen and three and having the top seed. Right? Really, who's going to have it if 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 not the Colts? And I've been saying the Texans are going to beat them, but if Arian Foster's out, boy, there's really not a ton of competition there for them. In the West, I really like the Chiefs. So I think I. they're going to knock off the Broncos. So do I. I think the Chargers ain't jive, and I, I don't agree. think the Raiders are a walkover. In I agree. Um, so, who? I mean, who's the dominant team? I mean, the, the only team that seems to potentially cut that figure are, are the Colts. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is because they're playing six games uh, against teams that are weaker right now. And, I, yes, I am taking the news that we got about Arian Foster pretty seriously because you and I have pointed out plenty of times before when he's hurt, they're not as good. Whereas J.J. Watt, when he was healthy, they went 2-14, and 14, and J.J. Watt had an amazing season a couple of years ago. Re- leaving out injury to Andrew Luck, any quarterback gets injured, it's going to drop a team. But – the Indianapolis Colts will have a disappointing 2015. They will not win the division if. If their free agent signings in the front seven suck. If they really are terrible. I mean, they signed some mid-tier guys. They didn't remember. They, they dra- drafted Dorsett. Uh, you know, they just did not hit that position group hard the way they needed to. They don't have any. What premier players do the Colts have in their front seven right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Robert Mathis is coming back, but when you really look Hasn't at it, played in a they, year. yeah, they got Gold, Trent Cole. Right. I like Trent Cole, but Trent Cole's been in the league for a long time. If those guys just stink up the joint, then I think the Colts fall back to earth and go nine and seven or ten and six. 
And now, you know, it's suddenly I, I hadn't really considered it until the Arian Foster news. Wow. They are an Arian Foster injury away from being the prohibitive favorite, not just in the division, but to be the number one seed in the AFC. And uh, so that may have arrived. Let's now go to those Houston Texans and we'll kibitz about what they should do, who they should look at at running back. But the Houston Texans will win the AFC South if if. Foster isn't gone that long, and they trade, they trade or Alfred Blue develops. So either trade for a guy like, just throwing a name out there, Bobby Rainey, just somebody that can carry some of the load. Tampa Bay's got extra running backs right now. One of those teams, and Alfred Blue ends up to be, being a player. I think Houston can still win the AFC South. Well, my if for them, and uh, you know the Colts are pretty easy. I think you're right if Arian Foster ain't right. Um, I hate to be seduced by the big story of a year ago, but just really imagine if J.J. Watt is the best defensive player in the NFL. What if Jadavian Clowney is anything close to being worth the first overall mm-hmm. pick that, that he was? I mean, And they're not – I mean, you know, Merciless is fine and he's got his flaws, mm-hmm. but he can get to the QB some. You know, they're, that, the, they're good at all three levels. I like the players that they have at yep. each of the three levels on defense. That could be a terrifying defense if even if Clowney isn't – doesn't do what he was supposed to do. But just imagine if he does. That defense could be absolutely Special. dominant. And then they now have some big pass catchers, and I keep saying it, if they put Ryan Mallett in there, they're a dangerous team if he is anything close to what his potential is. So, And I like also, they quietly had a nice year under Bill O'Brien and O'Brien's first go-around. Nine and seven. I think in year two, I think that uh, you know he's a smart guy. He could be one of the first pieces of fruit to come off the Belichick uh, uh, tree, coaching tree that isn't completely sour and rotten from day one. Um, all right the Houston Texans will have a disappointing season if. Well, I mentioned like a Bobby Rainey, and people are probably going, Bobby Rainey? I don't think you go out and get a guy like Chris Johnson. I think you just get a back that can get some carries for Why you. Why not Pierre Thomas? Why don't we hear Or Pierre name? Thomas, fine. I'm just thinking of teams that have extra backs, not just guys that are on the street. I think the Texans fall back down in the standings, maybe to 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10. If DeAndre Hopkins was uh, – I don't want to say a flash in the pan, but last year was an aberration because they need him more than ever now. With Foster hurt, their quarterback situation, he had a great year last year. But what if that was one of those anomaly seasons? I don't think it is because he was really good early in his rookie season before he got hurt. He, from day one, was uh, was productive. So I don't think that'll be the case. Now let's go to, uh, by the way, though, with the running back, Pierre Thomas is there. I hear you on Chris Johnson. I wouldn't do that, but... You know, Steven Jackson, I would take a look yep. at. Would you look at Ray Rice? No. Uh, not because, because of football reasons. Yes, because of football reasons. I mean, I'm, I'm either looking at ba- at teams that have an extra body in camp. And, I again, I went to Bobby Rainey just because the Bucks have already said that Doug Martin's the probable starter. They have Sims. Uh, look, if Gurley was a little bit healthier, maybe you call the Rams and you try to make a deal for Trey Mason. I'm not saying they do it, you know, but uh, that's that's where I'm looking but of the guys on the street, I mean, Pierre Thomas has had a great career. He is a little up there in age, though. I don't get it. I don't. I Pierre can catch Thomas, the ball. I like him very much, and always have. Um, next, let's do the Jacksonville Jaguars. Intriguing team. This is one of those teams. This is this is a, a great example of the NFL's parody. 
which I don't celebrate. I don't celebrate parity the way some people do. I, I don't like it. I like top-heavy leagues. I think that's when sports are the most fun, when you have dynasties. Either way, the there are very few teams that you can completely write off with as having no Super Bowl shot. And the Jags are evidence of that. I'm not putting them in a team that has no chance. I kind of like them. I think that I, I, they could be good this year. I don't know. They're not going to go 13-3, and three, but they could be, uh, you know, year three with Gus Bradley – you know they've done some great, uh, some great uh, personnel exchanges. You know, even though Justin Blackman's mm-hmm. likely done now, I like the pieces they have. How say you? I I think Jacksonville Jaguars win the division if that's yes. I wanted to give it to you the right way. If, and I'm going to do it a different way than just saying Blake Bortles, but if Bortles and those receivers all develop and grow together, because they have an interesting situation. All the receivers are young. Their, their quarterback is young. They're all getting a chance to kind of grow up together. I'm talking about guys like Mark Easley. And then they went and got Julius Thomas, who's also not an older player. All these young guys develop together, and if they end up becoming a formidable passing attack, I think they can mitigate some of the problems they've had on defense. Well, depending on how much SEC ball you watch, uh, T.J. Yeldon is uh, a nifty runner too. And as I often point out, what's great about coming out of these powerhouse 21st century college teams is they're so loaded – that nobody has, gets the wear and tear of 25 touches a game. T.J. Yeldon touched the ball, probably averaged, I bet you, 10 touches over the last couple of years, so he'll be relatively fresh as he gets down to Jacksonville and takes uh, presumably some of the pressure off of Blake Bortles. Um, I don't think they can be good enough to win the division. Almost, uh, There's n- almost no circumstance that gets them a division crown. I think they could be pretty good if T.J. Yeldon gives them some balance okay. on offense is what I'll go with. They will have a disappointing season if. that The front d- defensive line doesn't control games. I mean, they went and signed Jared Aldrich. They they need their defensive line to make hay the way Seattle did with Gus Bradley and then, of course, later Dan Quinn. If they can't impact teams at the line of scrimmage defensively, uh, I, I don't think they have the right players on the back end necessarily, and they don't, they've got a young offense, you know. This isn't like the Giants where Jerry Reese came out the other day and said the Giants, we need to score 28 a game, right? Jags aren't scoring 28 a game. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening, and, and I think you'd be staring another 4-12. and 12. By the way, it is downright eerie how much Blake Bortles – we said this a year ago, and even we talked to Ben Roethlisberger, and he said that he sees the physical resemblance between himself and Blake Bortles. It's even weirder now. Blake Bortles has become Ben Roethlisberger. They both got the double chin, and they both look like they're 37 years old. I mean, I don't know what gives with this Blake Bortles. But, uh, all right, let's move on to the last team. I've said it before. I'll say this again. I don't know that the Tennessee Titans still exist, only as, as a test to see if football fans are paying attention, because I've seen little evidence that the Titans are actually playing games anywhere. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, you see that last play of the Super Bowl where Dyson gets tackled at the one. But since then, what have you heard about them? Very little. Didn't they have a guy named Bullock play for him? Yeah, but I, listen, I, I, you know what? I remember CJ2K going for 2,000 yards about five, six years ago. Was Wycheck I mean, Slovakian or Czechoslovakian? I don't, or I don't know that this team is actually playing anymore. Maybe they say they, they push out old highlights from 2006 and expect us to believe that that's the, the – I, you know, I don't know. But there's tale that they have a quarterback named Marcus uh, Mariota there 
who allegedly is is very good. I'm not a great believer in him. The Titans win the division if Zach Mettenberger plays like he did against Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you rub my nose in that. that. At least they survived that one. Do you give Zach Mettenberger any shot? Uh, to what? To beat out Marcus Mariota? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine why why teams – it makes me crazy. All your listeners just, just hit pause or left right there. <laughs> Titans quarterback talk. It really – well, that's right. Because, yeah, uh, listen, I can't imagine the set of circumstances that would have the Wiz put Zach Mettenberger in. I can't imagine the Except set of unless, unless that they win the division. The only, the only way you would ever put Marcus Mariota – on the bench is because the offensive line is rubbish All right. and, he's, and he's at risk of getting Okay, it. I'm sorry. Outside of when there. people do that move, I, I, I keep saying it. The, the, one of the themes of the entire offseason for me has been, why would you, if you're the Browns, start Josh McCown over Johnny Football? Okay. Why do no, that? Right. Why, I, I, why would you start up. Brian Hoyer over Ryan Mallett? You have no chance. Brian Hoyer, no matter what he does, has no chance of winning the Super Bowl. That's just never going to happen. So then why go into an NFL season? This ain't college football where winning a division is satisfactory. Win the Super Bowl or it's a, or, or bust. That's what you aspire right. to do each I year. I will change my answer. So why would you put in Zach Mettenberger? If Bishop Sankey beats Eric Dickerson's 2105 and approaches Herschel Walker's <laughs> 1985. What did he have, like 2,400? Well, they have a good de- – they, yeah. they have some defensive pieces. Then the pieces. Titans will win the AFC South. Let me tell you something. The, uh, the Titans, they, the, this is the philosophy you see. Like, you either build your team to mirror what your division bullies are doing – as we saw in the NFC West a couple of years ago, it seemed everybody became fixated on running the football and playing stout defense. Or you zig when the rest of the division zags. And I feel like the Titans are in a place where they're where they're now building, at least defensively, ways to stop Andrew Luck's Colts. If they can, is that fair? Yeah, I think that, yeah. that I think that's the way they're drafting. I think that's the way they're. If they clone Jarrell Casey and have him play twenty <laughs> positions, the Titans win the AFC South. The Titans have no chance of winning the Super Bowl. They're one of those teams, that, the the few, that really has no chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know what's sad about that? What? Sully, behind, I mean, uh, sorry, Tommy Ty behind the glass there is from Nashville, Tennessee. Doesn't even no, remember. no, I'm, I'm East Tennessee guy. He doesn't root for – he doesn't care about the Titans. He doesn't acknowledge their existence. He's a front runner. He likes the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, now. No, 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 no. That's a no, no, not, not, no, no. I no. am a front. Yeah, runner. No, that's I'm not. The, that's a, the the if, fact. If I give a, some backstory, I'm not a front runner. No, I'm not interested. Okay, in your backstory. no backstory. The no Titans. Backstory. <laughs> shame on you. That's Go what ahead. you should. That's what you should do. Turn your microphone. Yeah. Now, the Titans will have a disappointing season. How you measure disappointing in Nashville, I'm not sure, but the Titans will have a disappointing season if, if. If all any of the things come true for the other teams that we just did, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, if their offensive line and running game don't play better than last year, they, they didn't they didn't get near enough help. Uh, yeah, Bishop know. Sankey was a, had a, a disappointing rookie yep. season. All things considered, you thought he would be a nice their line hybrid kind of back. No bueno. Uh, yeah, I I really think they've got to be able to run the ball. They have to be able to. By the way, this division also claims the uh, the sad title of the worst. Uh, uniforms collectively and the worst division yeah that's right the Colts have among the best uniforms Mm -hmm. but once you get past those oof 
It's not good. The Jags have the worst. The Jags are the worst uniforms in the NFL. The Titans are bottom six or eight, I would say. Even though navy and powder blue should look great together, and somehow they fail, which is frustrating. And then the Texans, I've talked to Arian Foster directly about that, and he agrees 100% about it. Their uniforms aren't any good. They're drab. All that navy. They got, they need red socks at least. You know, the navy pants and navy socks. I don't know who they're trying to impress, but count me as one who is not. I still love it when the Colts wear their blues against Jets whites. That's a that's a classic. Uh, I love it. Great uni matchup, at least for my for my blood. But I, I want to circle back to something that you just talked about. I like the monochromatic against an against another handsome uniform. All right, I want to circle. Raiders Colts is a good look. Raiders Colts is good. Uh, you're talking about Colts and their white at Oakland? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I want to circle back to something that's been gnawing at me, and you just mentioned it when you were talking about T.J. Yeldon. You were saying how these schools, that these players don't have the workload, you know, that, that they might have. When did we get into this whole pitch count thing with running backs? Does that mean that all these guys that played from 1999 and before just didn't exist? Because I always remember growing up that running backs – got better as the game went on. And there were plenty of running backs, Herschel Walker being one of them, who logged the ball 25 times a game as a freshman, right? As a freaking 18-year-old true freshman, and they didn't have any problem playing 10 years in the NFL and carrying the ball 300 times. So when – it's like pitchers. When did we go from Nolan Ryan being able to throw 120 pitches in a game, get a complete game, or John Tudor? I don't even have to go – 250 innings. Yeah. Yeah. When – I don't understand that because nobody in the fourth quarter is running. I will attempt to answer, although I do not have the hard and fast answer, but I have wondered about these very things. The answer I've been given about the pitchers is that they're throwing, uh, that they're putting more pressure on their arm with the types of pitches at the time. You know, they were only throwing three pitches, uh, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. Now with all the cutters and the, uh, uh, split finger stuff and everything else, they're they're putting more pressure on their arms, so they wear out more quickly. However, Nolan Ryan's Texas Rangers had a uh, a unique way of preparing their pitchers that kept those guys unusually healthy about five or ten years ago, so it's weird that the rest of baseball hasn't adopted that. With football, my guess would be, and it is fascinating that, 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 that that's the case because, of course, yes, if you were the feature back on an NFL team, forget the college stuff, if you were the feature back, you got 25 carries consistently yep. in the NFL, and now almost nobody does that because of, like you say, wear and tear. Is it possible that it's because the guys tackling them are bigger and uh, are more punishing on the, on the body of the running backs? You know, I've, I've been watching football like you have for a long time. I saw a difference in players from the 80s to the 90s. I don't see that big a difference between, say, the Randy Mosses of the late 90s and the guys now. Uh, the other thing, too, there for me is I thought it might be a product of substitution. So, you know, you have all these guys coming onto the field. They're playing less play, so they're faster, right? Well, just because a guy's faster and fresher doesn't mean that he's better. Because what about the guy that's been in there, play in and play out, recognizes formations? Think about a Ray Lewis late in his career. What he lost in a step, he gained in anticipation. You know, so uh, Frank Gore never was a breakaway back to begin with. Even when he was young, he was not a a home run hitter, per se. I, I think that players get better as the game goes along. They recognize what's going out on the field. They can set guys up 
with moves, just like a picture. I get, yeah. I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. I think I, the feel unreal for to being me. in the game, it's the same thing as being a, a cold batter. Hey, pinch hitter, go in there in the right. eighth inning and get a big-time hit for us. What? I've been sitting here chewing gum and telling stories about uh, about uh, True Detective Season 2 with, uh, with the relief pitchers, and now you want me to go get a hit? I just don't yeah. understand. I think if you're going to bring in – if you're going to play by committee and you're going to bring in a running back, then I'd rather see that running back be on the field for the whole drive. You know, the Jets did that with Tebow. They'd bring him in for one or two plays, and if he wasn't effective, they'd, no, well, you, you got to play him for multiple plays, you know, not just bring him on the field for one play. I hate the idea of bringing in a running back for one play, and then, you know, he's cold, and then he runs off the field. You know, I, I just the don't The reason understand. they don't, uh, yeah, if there's a technical foul in basketball, you don't say, hey, grab our cold guy off the bench and have him shoot free throws because he's 90% from the line. You don't do that mm-hmm. for exactly that reason. Anywho, EH, terrific stuff. A pleasure to see you. NFL.com, go dig up all his work, um, including, like we've talked about here, the top candidate for each team to get a gold jacket, uh, that's good stuff. Have a good time in uh, Canton, Ohio. I'm sad I won't be making yeah, the stinks. journey out there this year. Um, all right. Now, if you'd like, Sully, you can play the Yub Nub song, All is Right in the World. Michael Robinson made and I made our peace over our, the latest Penn State pit skirmish. Thanks to Elliot Harrison. We'll be back with more Who and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.